Welcome to Adma Brave Marketing Podcast, the podcast where local and global industry leaders provide perspective and opinion on the issues that affect the Australian marketing industry today. From their insights and experiences, we explore the mindset, the tool set, and the skill set required by marketers in this brave new world. I'm your host, Andrew Birmingham, the Editor-in-Chief of Witch50 Media. In this episode, we look at marketing as a mindset, and this goes to one of the central debates in business today. Who in the company is responsible for the customer and the customer experience? Marketing, digital, and IT all have a role to play, and so we sought input from all three. We also asked Adma's Stuart Tucker to provide us with the association's view. Adma Brave Marketing Podcast is sponsored by Sitecore, and each episode we ask a Sitecore executive to listen to what our guests have had to say and to tell us what resonated most with them. In this episode, that executive is Senior Marketing Consultant, Alison Sainsbury, and we'll hear from Alison later. We, each, brand, each brand has their own essence and it's really important. And again, it comes back to each brand has to have its own strategy and it has to cut through the, through the line. Um, a brand like Campari is all about creativity, art, Italian culture, um, where a brand like Aperol is all about summer and vibrancy and living life to, living life in a, in a fun and vibrant way. Tim Reed talks about the Campari brand and the company's customers in a way that will be very familiar to many marketers. But Tim is not a marketer. He is Campari's IT manager, and he represents a growing trend for executives far beyond the marketing department to bring a marketing mindset to their role, whatever that may be. So what does the Campari brand mean from the perspective of its IT manager? For, for us, it really needs to be an integrated experience. So we need to think about above the line and below the line. So above the line is everything that's really hitting our consumers, and below the line is where they actually um, execute the purchase. And that purchase can be in a bottle shop or it can be in a bar. And uh, we need to make sure that the messages that we're, we're giving about our brand um, out in advertising on social media or digital are lining up with the experience that they have when they drink their first Aperol Spritz in a, in a venue like the Watson's Bay Hotel or when they buy um, a Aperol Spritz Vat Pack in uh, you know, the twin pack of Ricardona and Aperol together uh, at uh, a Dan Murphy's, for example. So the experience needs to the tone of the brand, the uh, imagery, the occasion, and the targeting of who that audience audience is has to stay aligned through the, through the whole experience. Executives from far beyond the marketing department now speak the language of brands as fluently as their marketing colleagues. And that is due to the emergence of the customer as a key competitive battleground. I spoke to Adma board member Stuart Tucker about the importance of recognising the power of the consumer and the need to respond to the ever-rising expectations and what this means for brands. This is a great question, and I was with a group of CMOs recently, and one of them was complaining that they didn't have ownership of the customer experience, and I thought, well, make that happen. <laughs> um, it really comes down to the definition of marketing, and I reckon it's about ensuring that the largest percentage of your customers will become advocates or brand or loyalists, and that's my definition. So I think that ensures that you acquire the right customers who are motivated by your brand and your purpose, their offering is tailored to the individual needs, they're serviced well, and they can resolve a problem if it occurs. And more importantly, they're acknowledged and valued as a customer. If that's the definition, then every part of the organization really has to play a role. And in the company that I work for, which is High Pages, you know, we're a digital platform. Customers migrate in and out of traditional channels through their life cycle. So example, they might be researching our offering via marketing channels, converting via a sales channel, 
checking in with our service team, receiving communications via marketing. They could have invoicing from our finance team and they could be recontracted via sales. So where does marketing start and stop? If that's about creating a great customer experience, everybody really has to be committed to marketing as its definition, but even if they're not technically have marketing in their title. Brands not only need to understand customers, they need to build ongoing trusting relationships. That means managing the balance between using data to create great experiences, but also ensuring that the data is treated respectfully. How does a brand make sure that they do that well? This is a great question, particularly if you've watched The Great Hack, which I saw yesterday, actually. Um, Customers are really giving brands their data, either consciously or subconsciously. Sometimes it's buried in 20 pages of terms and conditions, and I think brands need to think about that a little bit more. But it's a trust equation and it's a value exchange. So if that equation gets out of balance, then consumers push back. For me, it's all about relevance. If it's not personalised and relevant, it's just spam, and it makes it into our um, you know, waste basket, really, when it comes down to it. But really, marketers have got a responsibility. We have the tools and we have the data to make all touch points with consumers highly relevant. It's not good enough to just do a spray and pray anymore, let's face it. So it's really just a matter of being committed and putting in the hard work, because different brands obviously have different access to data, but the value exchange is still the same. Make it relevant and personalised for customers, and then it's okay, and they won't be pushing back and rejecting you. This podcast is brought to you by Sitecore. To learn more about the benefits of one-to-one marketing, get the Sitecore How-To Guide to Personalization. Check the link in the description. Nobody gets out of bed determined to make their customer's life miserable, and yet many companies seem to excel at this. Worse, they don't recognise they're doing it. In a famous study by Frederick Reichheld, inventor of the NPS, he found 80% of CEOs thought they were doing a great job, but only 8% of their customers agreed. Why is it so hard to get this right? It's very hard to build a genuine customer commitment, but it shouldn't be. I would guess that the majority of large corporates have something in their mission or purpose about customer centricity, but can they really deliver? And the larger you get, the harder it is to deliver consistent experiences that really go beyond expectations. No, no customer wants to make things hard, um, but make, in, in a complex world of banking, telco, insurance, making it easy maybe isn't that easy. And there's regulators involved, there's terms and conditions, there's risk and compliance teams. And sometimes I just think the customer gets forgotten as processes and campaigns are being taken to market. This disconnect between the stories marketers tell themselves about how focused they are on customers and the reality of the customer experience is a global phenomenon. One person who's studied this issue closely for the best part of 15 years is Liz Miller, the Senior Vice President of Marketing at the CMO Council. I spoke to Liz on the phone about whether companies really understand what it means to organise themselves around the customer and what typically goes wrong. So I think it's such an interesting conversation when we talk about why is it do we so often hear people talking about customer experience, it's so important, we're a customer-centric company, right? Everyone wants to believe that part of their P&L statement, part of their annual call, part of their shareholders meeting kind of starts with this revelation that we're a customer-centric company. Um, But I think the reality often hits that they want to be a customer-centric company, but they're still operating as a sales and product-centered operation. So when you have 
um, sales meetings that are going to focus on things like supply chain, and that is a completely separate conversation from your marketing and your support conversations. And everyone is still in these silos that operate around something we call customer, but is really talking about something we call bottom line is a very different conversation. I kind of uh, liken it to uh, the customer is the round uh, little puzzle piece that we're trying to jam into the square peg. Because we've been in business for a really long time now. And I think this is especially true in really mature markets, especially like Australia. Having led digital at organizations such as Citibank and most recently AMP, Michael Whitting has spent much of his recent career trying to understand customer needs and then translating them into products and services. I asked Michael why there is often such a disconnect between what the customers want and what the customers get. I've spent a lot of time trying to understand um, organisations that seem to be successful in meeting the customer need or at least getting closer to it than that big disconnect that seems to exist. Um, what I've discovered and, and in the way that I've always established teams is spending that bit more time up front um, and, you know, I know there's a big demand or big trend moving into things like human-centred design. Um, now, the problem I've always seen with human-centred design on its own or put into an organisation as it's one of the parts of the solution is that they sometimes in many cases get um, too disconnected themselves from the implementation. So I've seen the organisations that are able to be able to success, successfully able to sort of connect and get to better customer experiences, have a better end-to-end, -end, but spend a lot more time in that discovery phase and not use it as just a, um, you know, a path that they have to follow, but a critical path of that process. And it's a real challenge. I found when I was working at AMP, I spent a lot of time um, on the ways of working and connecting that. And look, at an executive level, I always find it's the first thing that they want to push out. Right? They don't want it. They think it's going to slow them down getting to this outcome. The word agile um, makes them think that if they just get faster at delivering something, they're going to get to that answer. And I always say, well, you know, just making you faster. Momentum doesn't mean you're making progress. Um, so I've, I've found that I've, the organisations that seem to be having better success do take more time in that discovery phase um, to really explore, but then work out how they connect that into the delivery phase. And I see that's a big gap that most organisations do have. This podcast was brought to you by Sitecore. To learn more about the benefits of one-to-one -one marketing, get the Sitecore How-To Guide to Personalization. Check the link in the description. Each week, we ask an executive from our sponsor, in this case Sitecore, to describe what resonated in the conversation with them. In today's episode, that executive is Alison Sainsbury. So what I found particularly interesting about Tim is that he is the IT guy. Scott Brinker in Hacking Marketing talked about how IT and marketing functions are merging, yet research released last year by Sitecore and Avenard reported that 68% of IT respondents say that they have more important things to worry about than MarTech, and 71% of marketing say IT lacks insight into the digital marketing tools. There's a real disconnect here, which must be overcome in order to achieve the customer experience results that we all know that brands need. The CMO and CIO need to not just align, but understand each other's pain and work together. I think this relationship is crucial. One CMO I met recently told me that he has weekly one-on-ones with his CIO and that the CIO had turned up one day and given his, half his team to the CMO and they'd co-located the teams together. When I run a workshop to help customers use Sitecore's optimization functionality, 
I always want to get the IT people in there because the marketing is the point and their insights can be really valuable. Alison also tackled the issue of why so many companies seem to struggle to genuinely organise around the customer. It's news to nobody that it's absolutely crucial to get CX right. KPMG research shows that CX leaders achieved five times the profit growth in one year of those in the bottom 25%, and that was in 2016. We know this is only accelerating. The incentive is there, but what is standing in the way? I think there's a few macro issues here. CMOs are often the ones in charge of customer experience, and as Sitecore CMO Paige O'Neill recently pointed out at our experience event in Sydney, research by Harvard Business Review showed that 80% of CEOs don't trust or are unimpressed by their CMO, and the CMO often doesn't have the budget authority on their own to authorise the level of investment required for true CX transformation. The disconnect that I mentioned earlier between the CIO and the CMO is a crucial issue. If the CMO and CIO can align together, they can make a real change. And finally, there's something called Conway's Law. This is the idea that organisations will produce designs which are copies of the communication structures of the organisation. A website or customer journey which is constrained by the way your business unit is set up is not going to be a good experience for the customer. They don't know why your data won't connect or why one team is responsible for delivery and the other one is responsible for support. They just want it fixed. And to respond the way the customer expects you to respond requires real change in how your company is organised and incentivised. Many legacy companies just cannot make that leap. In order to achieve the benefits of customer experience, there needs to be a real fundamental change in how organisations are run or structured, and then the job will be much more achievable. Transformation just doesn't happen with some nice slogans. That brings us to the end of our second episode of Adma Brave Marketing. Our guests today were Tim Reid, the IT manager of Campari in Australia, Michael Weeding, most recently the head of digital at AMP. Liz Miller, the Senior Vice President of Marketing at the CMO Council in the US. And of course, Stuart Tucker, a director on ADMA. And thanks also to Alison Sainsbury, a Senior Marketing Consultant at Sitecore. In our next episode, we dive into one of the most vexed questions of modern marketing. How can brands get the most value out of their marketing technology toolkits? And what's stopping them now? I'm Andrew Birmingham. I hope you'll join me again for what should be an interesting and occasionally controversial discussion. Today's podcast is produced by Which 50s Joseph Brooks. Joseph Brooks.